Hey everybody, and welcome to the 8th episode of the JLG Grey's Anatomy Podcast. My name is Jessie, and this podcast is over the characters of Izzy Stevens and George O'Malley. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about George now. And George O'Malley was born to Louise and Harold O'Malley. And we know that he's been raised around Seattle because at the beginning, George, before George moves into Meredith's mother's house, we know that George is actually living in his parents' house and his mother likes to um, iron his scrubs, which is it's pretty cute and funny. The O'Malley's are pretty close. He's got two brothers, uh, Ronnie and Jerry. And Ronnie and Jerry are very similar to their father. They're not really, they're a little bit... I don't really know how to say it. They're a little bit uh, less educated academically, I guess you could say. And Ron and Jerry are like the same way as his father. They're into like hunting and cars and um, kind of, I guess, what you could consider more stereotypically manly. And George is a little bit more uh, about the education. He wants to be a surgeon, obviously, because he's in the intern program at Seattle Grace. And so he's... I think he's always struggled a little bit with his family because he is very different and he doesn't really fit in very well. We find that George attended medical school at Oregon Health and Science University and um, he wasn't really super and he wasn't exceptional at what he did and he has, you know, border, he's got fairly good test scores and whatever, but he's not like, he's not really great. He's not, I guess you could say Christina, who, or at least she strives to be really great. So when we first um, meet George, I guess in the series, he's kind of like that over-enthusiastic kid, and it's cute because that's just like, that's his personality. He's really optimistic, and he's really excited to be starting, and he's not, he's not like the others once again, I guess. Um, But in his first time, Burke, uh, on their first day of the interns get, like one of them gets chosen to work, um, to do a surgery with someone, I guess, and... Burke chose O'Malley, which was a little bit, like, you know, everyone was like, why would he get chosen over me? Because clearly Christina had wanted it, and everyone else did too. And um, I I guess they felt like they were more qualified, considering, you know, he was kind of mediocre. He wasn't amazing. So Burke, we find out that Burke has chosen him because he's going to break him. He knows that George isn't going to be able to do it. And he, you know, he's insisting on doing this so that uh, he can show all the other, Bert can show all the other interns, like, what's gonna, what'll really happen or scare them or something, and, uh, so people start calling George 007, which means license to kill, which, because he didn't do very well on his appendectomy, and, um, in George's, like, like everybody else, but in George's first intern year, I mean, a lot has happened to him, and I think significantly, like, uh, first of all, he falls in love with a girl and sleeps with her, and which is Meredith. And, you know, it's a terrible, terrible outcome. And it's after he stood by for so long and he has watched her and tried to show his love through his actions, which have been a little bit too subtle for Meredith to see. And he's really not the type of person that Meredith generally goes for. So, I mean, he first of all, that happens. And then, in the process of that, he meets another girl and... This is Sada Ramirez's character, which is Callie Torres, who's now his wife, and they get married, and it's all like, first they're together, and then they break up, and then they get back together and get married, but his father had cancer, and his father passed away all in this time. Like, there's just so much going on in his life that's kind of really terrible. And also, I think um, a really memorable moment, (laughs) for me at least, is in the... uh, It's at the end of the first season, the beginning of the second, when he is dating the nurse Olivia... 
and then he gets syphilis. And first of all, he has to have everyone else check. <laughs> like, he, well, like, he only wants Alex to check, but then everyone else, you know, it's, everyone else comes in, too. But, uh, so we have George, who is, uh, finds out he has syphilis, and he got it from Nurse Olivia. And then we find out that Olivia actually slept with Alex, who, at that point in time, was pretty much George's enemy. Like, that was just, and so that just made matters ten times worse. And George slugged him, which was pretty funny, because... It's not, it's so out of character for George, and it was such a good moment. One of the great moments that I'd like to share with you is um, the moment when Alex and George are stuck in the elevator, and they have a patient who's been shot who is also a policeman, so he's one of Seattle's finest, they refer to him, and, like, he's got a whole bunch of people that are really counting on them to do really well. But George and Alex get caught in the elevator because there's a bad storm, and the backup generator doesn't work because they didn't fix it or get a new one or something. I don't really know. But, um, so... They're in this elevator, the power goes out, and they're stuck in the elevator, and the patient starts to bleed out. And um, so Burke says, you know, you guys are going to have to cut him open in there. So George really, like, steps it up and takes over, and he does a really, like, he does what he has to do, and he does it well. Okay, so then I also mentioned that uh, George and Callie's relationship was kind of weird. Like, Callie was really into pursuing him at first, and he was a little reluctant because it was immediately after the thing with Meredith happened um, with the one-night stand and her crying through it, which is is, is sad. But um, Callie and him have been dating, and, like, they break up. And uh, Callie, to make herself, like, I guess to make herself feel better? I don't really know. To get what she needed. Like, George wasn't paying her enough attention, I guess. But um, during a camping trip with the guys, with Burke and Derek and... Uh, the chief and Joe and Walter, who is Joe's boyfriend, and um, Alex Krev. Uh, Alex tells George out of anger that Kelly slept with Mark Sloan, who um, who no one really like. No one wants their girl to sleep with him because Mark Sloan is kind of the guy that just gets around. Obviously, like if you've watched it, you know, and you know, like his personality. He's the one that cheated with Addison and broke up the marriage of. Addison, well, he didn't, like, specifically break it up, but he was a very large factor, if not the factor, in the, um, breakup of Addison and Derek. So, once, um, once George and Burke had gone through the thing in the elevator, although Burke was not in the elevator, Burke was, um, working with George in the elevator, so once they got through that part, they, and, um, Burke, you know, says, you know what, George, he just flew solo, and, like, he was really proud of George. Um, George and Burke definitely started to form, like, this really strong relationship. And um, on that same camping trip, we noticed that Burke has a hand tremor. Well, we've already known that Burke, Burke has hand tremors, but actually now George notices that Burke has hand tremors. Okay, so this next part that I want to talk about makes me laugh really hard every time I watch it. Once George's father dies, uh, he and his girlfriend got married and um, in Las Vegas. They eloped in Las Vegas. And when they come back and they walk into this new uh, facility, which is the uh, free clinic, and they walk in and, like, they just say, we, we got married, and there's just lots of silence. And then it's just I really, really enjoy that part. Okay, something that I guess I missed when I was talk, uh, talking about Burke is that uh, Burke 
okay, so George noticed on the camping trip that Burke was having some tremors in his hand, and so because Burke wasn't coming out and telling him the truth and George was really suspicious, he contacted Dr. Erica Hahn, which was um, Burke's, like, number one enemy or, like, competition because they're both really, really great, except for that Burke is supposedly a little better. But since George thinks there's something wrong with Burke, he contacts this new doctor to perform his father's valve replacement, and that's a big turning point in the relationship of Burke and um, Burke and George, I think. It shows, you know, I don't really know what it shows, but it shows that you should always tell the truth, I guess. I don't really know. But I think that's an important part to notice, where, like, George may not have directly come out and told Burke, you know, I don't trust you, but he shows things in other ways. Just like he didn't come out directly to Meredith and say, I really like you. He tried to do it, and it was very subtle, and it was very hard for the other person to see and pick up on because what's so obvious to the rest of us is just, like, small little gestures to another person. So, to the people that's receiving it, I guess. So, George has a problem with his wife, eventually, because, particularly with Izzy, he always puts his friends first. And now, especially that he's married, um, we have a problem with that. And I think the problem becomes greater when, um, well, George tells Izzy, you know, if you're not going to be supportive of me, then don't be around, or, like, just get out of the way because she is my wife and I'm going to take care of her and that's my job and I got married and that's how things go. And I think it's kind of noble of George in a way because he is married and I think that he does have to live out that commitment he made because marriage, I, I don't believe, should take, be taken as lightly as some people do. So I think that George's um, want or need to be uh, faithful to his wife and be, like, uh, put her first, I think is very powerful and it's very important. But at the same time, you know, it backfires in his face because then he and Izzy eventually come back together and they have a one night stand and it ultimately like, it's just a big problem and I don't like this part of the storyline. I want them to get rid of it. Um, so George and Izzy and Callie, I don't know, they have a big thing going on. And if you notice, I kind of dance around it a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> I kind of dance around it a little bit because I don't really enjoy this particular storyline. I hope it's one that eventually kind of fades out of the, the picture and I'd be pretty pretty darn happy. So, well, I guess if you want to continue talking about this relationship, um, we'll go straight to the finale because I think that's a kind of the ultimate meeting of the two. And Izzy admits that... Um, she's in love with George, and she tells him, and George kind of reacts strangely, because it's right after they received their uh, intern exam grades things. Intern exam grades, and uh, George, we find out later, uh, hasn't passed, but we don't really know how that comes into play completely. But anyway, Izzy says that, you know, George, she's in love with George, and I think that's kind of, it's it's tough, because George is still married, and he still believes in um that he's married and it's his responsibility to take care of his wife. But at the same time, he also loves Izzy, and I think that's just a great inner struggle. And I kind of I kind of want to relate it to Derek picking between his, who happens to be his ex-wife and his, the one he loves, his girlfriend. And it's kind of the same. It's a little different because George is still in love with his wife. I think, I would like to think that he's still in love with his wife. But I think that they do have ultimately the same decision. And if we go back to season two and we look at what um, Bailey told Derek to do, the advice that Bailey gave to Derek was when he asked, you know, what should he do? She said, you know, it's hot. It's not a hard decision. It's just painful. And she said it in so many words. But so basically what she's saying is that he like George knows what to do, but it's just really painful to do. 
And so I think it'll be interesting to see if they do parallel those or if George does something completely different. So then back to the intern exam, we find out that George has failed his exam and uh, he's decided to leave the hospital when he talks to Bailey because he, he says he can't repeat his intern year over again, which is completely understandable in a way. Just because, like, if you look back on his year, it was like, it must have been one of the worst years of his life. I mean, I guess you could say it was one of the worst, but one of the best years of his life. But, I mean, I don't think he wants to go through that again. And um, I don't really blame him, but I also kind of want to say, you know, you put so much into this career already. By changing now, I think you're um, just kind of taking the easy way out, and that's not the right thing to do, and you might regret it later. But I don't really know. I mean, he has a lot going on at those hospital, like at the hospital and in his life, and so maybe it would be better for him to take some time off. However, I do think that maybe it's not the best idea in the same way. So I guess um, this is a little uh, spoiler alert, uh, but T.R. Knight is expected to return for a fourth season, so the character of George O'Malley will be back. We don't know in what capacity or what's going to happen, but and you guys can speculate about that. So um, that's just what we know of, I guess you could say. Okay, so the next part we're going to be doing is we're going to go over the character of Isabel Stevens, or Izzy, who um, grew up in, like, Chihalis. I don't know how to say it. And she grew up in Washington, and it was in a trailer park with her mother, and her nickname was Cricket. And uh, she grew up, and it was a rough time for her growing up, I think. She worked as a waitress a lot, and she, she had to work her way through college, and there was so much she had to do because her mother, like, when Izzy worked, her mother spent all of their money calling psychics or something. She called, like, the people that charge you, like, two bucks a minute. So Izzy had to take over, and she kind of had to be the adult in that relationship when she was just a kid, which might explain why she's still a little bit emotionally stunted. So then when Izzy turned 18, she left home, and, you know, she didn't really look back. And it's probably for the better at the moment. You know, it might be good to revisit that now. But um, I think it was good for her to leave. And, um... Izzy paid her way through medical school as an underwater, uh, sorry, not an underwater model, but an underwear model, which would also be interesting, though, but as an underwear model, and it was for Bethany Whisper, and uh, we find this out through when Alex, uh, when Alex was, like, super jerk in the very beginning of season one, and Alex finds out that she was modeling for it and, like, takes all the different magazine pictures and... She copies them, and he throws them all over the hospital on the elevators in the locker room. He blows some of them up, and it's just, um, what Izzy does is pretty sweet, I think, is she kind of confronts him and says, like, I mean, like, she starts taking off her clothes because she wants to let him know that he she's still just a normal person. And so, basically, she really just shuts Alex up. Um, and we find out she did this, obviously, we said, um, that she did this to pay her way through medical school, and I think that... It's a very interesting theory because, you know, she was saying, you know, I don't have any debt and you have thousands of dollars in debt. Maybe she said more. I wasn't really listening. Anyway, so, you know, I just thought that was really cool because, like, Izzy doesn't really know how to take care of herself no matter how rough her life has been. And then um, we find out in a later episode in season two, which was one of my favorite storylines, is that um, Izzy actually, when she was 16, she got pregnant and had a daughter, but she gave her up for adoption because she thought that it was going to be, it was going to give her a better life than Izzy could ever give her daughter. And also, in a way, although she was doing it for her daughter, I think it was the best thing for herself as well, because otherwise she would be stuck in this life that she had once lived, 
saving all of her money only to be able to just barely pay all the bills and never have any, like, it would just have a lot more stress in her life. And I think it might have been the best thing not only for her daughter, but for herself, because now two people are having better lives because of her decision, plus a whole family that got this daughter. Um, Izzy said she privately named her daughter Hannah, or no, no, she named her daughter Sarah, which she did on her own. Um, obviously she doesn't really get to choose because she gave it away as a baby, but I think that was pretty cool that she got to name it, or she named it so that she could keep it with her and, uh, still kind of have a part in her daughter's life, or in her mind anyway. So, when we first meet Izzy, Izzy is, like, super, super fun, and she's, like, really excited to get started in working, and then she meets meets the Nazi and kind of gets taken down a couple notches, if not all the way down, and the Nazi really just tries to break her down when she's Bailey, obviously, and Bailey really tries to just knock Izzy down to the floor and, like, keep her in reality, but I think she's got a pretty good attitude, and I think even though things get negative and things get rough, I think it's good for her to still have a little of that optimism in her, otherwise it's hard to have hope. So I think that's pretty sweet. So a lot of people, I guess, like, you kind of wonder if, because Izzy is a really beautiful woman, and so there's, like, a time when someone didn't, someone must have, someone saw the um, Bethany Whisper ad and saw that it was her and he was she was going to be his doctor and he didn't want that because one it was like demasculizing him I think I might have made that word up but and also it was because you know some people wonder if she was competent enough to be a doctor because she is so beautiful and you know they kind of wonder about that but I think Izzy can really is learning to overcome all of that and she's learning uh, along the way how to be that doctor and I think something that uh, kind of blossomed out of Izzy's personality is her wanting to make friends with everyone, including the jerkish Alex Karev, who was a pretty big jerk in the beginning. But I think that their relationship eventually, like, she does, she is able with her personality and her, um, just her uh, character traits, she's able to take Alex from this super jerk level and she's able to um see see beneath all of that see possibly who he could become or who he really is and so i think that's something that's really strong about her personality and um their friendship eventually led to them dating and it didn't really go through at first it was right after alex find found that uh he uh failed his board exams and so he'd have to take it again and he was having a rough day and it really affected his relationship with izzy and she just thought that he was back to being a jerk. And But later on, like, they kind of rekindle what they had. Um, as the relationship continues, Alex is, um, he really loves Izzy. And I think that he has d- had so many relationships that are filled with one-night stands or they're all about the physical aspect. And he really wanted everything to be perfect in his relationship with Izzy. And Izzy, like, it just came, there was too, he was too nervous and there was, like, difficulties, um, it, like in their sexual relationship and it rubbed off into their emotional relationship and so um eventually to make himself feel better Alex is going to sleep with nurse Olivia and that ended their Izzy's relationship with him temporarily uh in, which is you know obviously I think it's probably the best thing for her to do but and Izzy really struggled with this for a while because her friends um were trying to be supportive of her but at the same time they were trying to be supportive of Alex and she didn't like that because she felt that uh, they were her friends and Alex was just there and I think um, 
I think although she's right that Alex is just there, Alex is still part of their family, kind of, a family of interns, and so I think that both sides had some pretty good, uh, pretty good, I want to say characterization, but that is not the word, justification. They had some justification to their opinions, but, I mean, that's a really tough situation to be in, and I think that maybe both sides could try to be a little more understanding, but, you know, anyway... <laughs> Eventually, we get to Izzy's relationship with Denny Duquette, who was this heart ha, uh, heart patient that um, had fell in love with Izzy or was, like, flirting with her. And Izzy, you know, was kind of falling for him, but she knew that she couldn't. But um, that's when she met him. Shortly after, if you remember, there was a bomb scare. I don't know how you could forget the Super Bowl episode. There was a bomb scare, and Izzy wanted to be a doer because she said that Christina and Meredith are doers. They do things, and... She said, George, you and I just talk about things, so let's start doing things. That's how we're going to get different places in life. So um, Izzy's idea of doing something was to get Alex in the linen closet and have sex with him a few times because apparently (laughs) there wasn't much else to do in the hospital when there's a bomb scare. So, I mean, I guess that's their relationship. But um, later, Danny Duquette was readmitted to the Seattle Grace because... um, he was having other heart problems, and Izzy really just kind of pushed Alex out of the way and was uh, was there for Denny. And Alex becomes, like, super jealous of um, Denny because she he feels that Izzy, uh, Izzy really likes Denny, and I think it's a fair assumption. And I think it's also fair of him to be jealous because um, although Alex cheated with Olivia, I think this is different because Alex... And Olivia cheating was kind of just once, and it was very physical, which... Because I think that Alex felt that maybe Izzy's relationship with Denny was something... Which was obviously something more. It was something emotional, and it was something that they were building. And I think Alex and Olivia were just there for the sex. And I think that's a very different... He was looking at it very different, and it hurt him more in a different way than Izzy hurt, I think. Um, I'm not to justify Alex in any such way for his actions, but I think that's some some place that he's coming from. So Alex was being kind of annoying and he was being rude and then Izzy kind of was like, you know, I don't need you and she broke up with him. So then we have um before we move on, well, I guess let's talk the rest about Denny. So um Denny had to go get Alvad surgery so that he could survive better and she's just um she's really protective of him and she's uh I don't know, there's a lot going on with him and she really she does love him. I do thoroughly believe so. And I think it was because the relationship that they built up was so very emotional. And it was so very, I think, in a way, in a way, I mean, obviously a lot of it was physical as well. But I think there's definitely something a little bit different there. And I think that's pretty special. And um, so Izzy cares for him to the point where when he has um, missed out uh, on the donation on a donor heart, um, she decides that she's going to make him worse so that he's up higher on the list. And so she cuts his Alvad wire, which most of you should remember, especially from that big gigantic finale. It was like a three-part finale, and it was it was beautiful. But so then Izzy has to ask for help from the other interns, and it's just it's a little crazy because although she her heart is in the right place, I think she wasn't quite thinking correctly. I think she could have chose different ways. Anyway, Izzy's heart, like, always seems to get in the way of her uh, judgment and her medical judgment, I guess you could say. And then Bailey walks in and finds all of them doing whatever they're doing, and 
she you know, obviously is very, very upset because why wouldn't you be? Okay, so anyway, so the interns get in a lot of trouble and you know, Izzy is obviously she's kind of a basket case because she needs to keep Denny alive while um still obeying Dr. Bailey because Dr. Bailey's still her superior, but um this Izzy speech is getting a little long, so we're gonna try to move it along a little bit faster. Sorry if I cut a lot of things out, but that's what I have to do apparently. Um, anyway, so she, eventually, like, all the interns go, and they're gonna stick up for each other, and no one's gonna give in, and then finally, eventually, after Denny actually dies, then, um, she admits to cutting the alibi wire, and she says she's never going, she's leaving the surgical internship program, and she's done. And, you know, like, with all of her grief, she likes to bake a lot, so she bakes a ton, and their, like, entire house is filled with muffins, and she brings muffins to the bar, to Joe's bar, and just everywhere, there that you can possibly go to and eventually um dr bailey feel finally feels compelled to uh go talk to izzy because dr bailey feels that it's kind of her fault because she's in charge of the interns and um you know she wasn't taking charge when they were all there not helping their patient because you know the first rule of being a doctor is of course do no harm well what these characters were doing were doing lots of harm and you know they were doing it ultimately for the good but again they were you know not following the right rules so eventually when izzy is still baking or doing whatever she meets with denny's father at um his request and he doesn't think that she loved denny and she he's just really skeptical of their relationship and i think it is fair for him to be that skeptical especially because we find out that he that Denny has left Izzy $8.7 million. And I think, you know, obviously that's her shock, that's shock to everybody, but um, I think it's a that's definitely one of the reasons why Denny's father should have been uh, a little bit concerned. But um, then he eventually realizes that she's okay, she really did love him, and so he gives her the check, and um, instead of her cashing it, she puts it on the refrigerator where where George and the rest of them can drop it and it can fall every day and Izzy got food on it and it's gross but you know she doesn't really know what to do and then eventually um Izzy has to go back to the hospital to clean out her locker and so uh she's doing that and then she sees Christina do something really great surgically and then Izzy is suddenly inspired to return because she realizes that's what she wants to be doing she doesn't want to be idle she wants to be doing something important and so forth so then Bailey comes to her rescue and eventually convinces the chief to allow Izzy to return um, under super, super ridiculous probation. Poor girl. You know, she couldn't uh, talk to people. She couldn't touch people. She could just look. That's it. Anyway, and then um, Izzy always, you know, being Izzy and being heartfelt and emotionally involved with her patients, she does always try to push the boundaries of her probation because she always wants to be involved. And she, I think something that is really good with her is she's very aware of people's emotional states and I think that's really really good because I think doctors should have that so you can really see like when people are faking or what's really wrong eventually to get back into the OR well like Izzy has like ordered uh psychology meetings psychiatrist meetings and um in order to be allowed back in the psychiatrist will sign off as soon as she deposits that eight million dollar check 8.7 million dollar check that was uh, covered in food and so she finally does it and um she doesn't know what she's going to do with it because she feels she's got to do good with it and I think that's a good quality thing for her to do because um even if she just kept the 0.7 million you know she'd be fine and also she's going to be a doctor and she doesn't have debt like there's something about her that is 
a little bit higher financially than the rest of them. And so I think that Izzy is quite responsible with money, except for the whole check and the food thing. And she eventually, once she deposits the check, she's then able to go back into the OR. However, Bailey knows that she is the private anonymous donor of a surgery that she, A, wants to get in on, and B, wants to help the patient out. So, right, okay, wait. So then Izzy later, um, Bailey has this idea and she wants to do a free clinic and so now Bailey's got to get donors and all this good stuff. But Izzy realizes that maybe her money for the good could be used to create the Denny Duquette Memorial Clinic and I think it was definitely a good idea and it was really funny to see because when the clinic first opens up, if you'll remember, uh, she wouldn't let people touch things because and she'd be like, because it costs this much money and I just like that kind of goes to show that Izzy is pretty responsible with her money, even if she's a little bit uh, neurotic about it. Um, She is pretty responsible, and I think you should give her credit for that. Uh, Then we have the ferry accident. Um, During the ferry accident, Izzy is dragged by some people, and she finds this man who is, like, crushed under a car, and these were, like, the worst scenes for me in these episodes, because I was just, like, the disgustingness, the disgusting factor, like, some people might like that. I'm not a big fan. <laughs> no, no, uh, no fan of Jesse right there. But um, let's just say uh, I didn't like it. But she saves this man's life, man life, man's life. Um, by eventually, she has to drill holes into his skull so that um, they can relieve some of the pressure in his skull. But since she's they're in like a crisis state and she's under like he's under a car and they can't get him out and like no one's coming to help him, she um. The chief and Sloane are on the phone, and they're talking her through this, and she's doing it with, you know, just a regular drill. Like, it's not a surgical drill. It's, And it's, like, she's very brave, and she does it, and I think she does it well. So then Izzy is pretty much officially back into the OR, and she's back in the program with full force. And so that's pretty great. And then I already really talked about the George and Izzy relationship and how Izzy doesn't like Callie. And so I don't really want to talk about it again, just because, um, for time constraints. So we're just going to come to a point when George and Izzy, like, after they've slept with each other, and, like, Izzy, um, her daughter eventually comes back to the hospital because she has leukemia, and so they bring her back to Seattle, Seattle Grace, because these people that are with her, her parents, sorry, not these people, but her parents, need to have a bone marrow transplant, and, um, they want Izzy to donate bone marrow since she's a close close uh early she's at least a half a match at first izzy doesn't really know what to do and um she doesn't tell anybody she doesn't want anyone to know that she had a daughter so dr bailey tries to figure once she figures out what's going on with izzy she really kind of she helps keep hannah a secret and at the same time um izzy or yeah well dr bailey like she's just she's very warm and understanding and it's a part of Dr. Bailey that I think is really great is that she is really there for the good of these interns and she's really there for the good of Izzy. So she's going through these rough times but then we have George who um, kind of said, you know, we're not going to, we have nothing to do with each other or something like that. But then um, George, like, he butts his way into this situation and um, the two of them have, like, a pretty sweet moment but I think since we're talking about Izzy, the big deal about Izzy is going to be, um, Izzy really just needs a friend, and she doesn't have that in George anymore because of what happened between the two of them and how he feels about Callie and how he feels about Izzy and the confusion it's caused. But then the two of them kind of come together when George kind of steps it up as a friend and he brings Izzy to see her daughter for the very first time since Hannah doesn't really want 
to see uh, her mother and for reasons unknown. And um, they say because she's tired, but anyway. And so George brings her to the spot where through a couple windows, Izzy's going to be able to see her daughter for the first time, which I think is is just one of the fabulous moments. Oh, I, I didn't mention this in George, but George was going to transfer to Mercy West if he had passed his intern test. But um, that really kind of stressed Izzy out, and that's another part of the George-Izzy relationship, which all comes to that moment in the finale when they're, she admits to being in love with George. And so there, that's all I've got on Izzy. Izzy, too, will be back for a fourth season, which is Katherine Heigl. All right, so now we're going to talk a little bit about uh, T.R. Knight, who plays the character of George, obviously. And uh, T.R. stands for Theodore Raymond, and I found that out first um, when he was on... I almost said Mary Tyler Moore. Who is it? He was on Martha. He was on Martha Stewart's show, and that's when I first found it out. Anyway, he was born on March 26, 1973, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Minneapolis was his hometown for quite a while, and he was very involved in theater there, and it was at the Guthrie Theater, which is a pretty big theater, and um, in like in all of that area, which is pretty cool. And he started at the age of five, which is also quite, I think that's pretty cool, too. Anyway, um... After he finished high school, T.R. went to the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota for a little bit, but um, he eventually dropped out of college because he started landing um, bigger and bigger roles with the Guthrie Theater, so he wanted to take more time to actually do his acting and so forth. And when his... He's very stage-trained, and I think um, a lot of people don't know this about him. I think it's quite... I think a lot of actors are quite stage-trained, and um, we just don't know it. But um, T.R. was actually on Broadway when he moved to New York, and he played against, um, not really against, he played opposite of Patti LuPone, and it was in the revival of Noises Off, and I think that's just one of the greatest accomplishments that he's had so far. And he's also been in, he, he was in a drama in 2004 called Boy. T.R. and I also, um, he's done a lot of theater, so I'm not going to really name a lot of what he's done because it's a lot. But anyway, uh, he was also on a, he was a regular cast member on this TV series. It was really short, if you don't know what it is. It was Nathan Lane and Laurie Metcalf, and it was, uh, I believe it was called Charlie Lawrence, and that's what I found. So, uh, he was on that for a little bit, but in 2005, he, you know, he got his big break in the television business. He had already had kind of a big break in the theater world, but in the television, his big break came when Grey's Anatomy came, and he... You know, he's his character is quite pivotal, and he's very important to the storyline, and he's gone through a lot of changes. And so, I mean, the character of George T.R. has as well, but T.R., um, a lot of you know, you know, he came out of the closet. He, he is gay. He came out in October of 2006 because of, because of the alleged remarks made, except for now that we know the real remarks from me, but as I watched him, whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, the biggest part is I have a quote from him, and it's from People Magazine, and it says, I guess there have been a few questions about my sexuality, and I'd like to uh, quiet any unnecessary rumors that may be out there. While I prefer to keep my personal life private, I hope that I hope the fact that I'm gay isn't the most interesting part of me. And I think that uh, a lot of his co-stars uh, that have gone on since this uh, coming out, um, we had... Like, I saw some interviews when everyone was very supportive of him, and I think that's really cool. And I think um, Sada Ramirez, uh, who plays opposite him as Callie, kind of said something really great. And, you know, some of us, she said, like, something, I can't, 
it was, she was on Ellen. She said something like, you know, some of us knew beforehand, but we supported him beforehand and we're going to continue to support him. And I like that, you know, she's, they did support him beforehand. And I think just because the public didn't know, didn't mean people closer to him didn't know. And so I think that, you know, she's right on, like, they're not going to treat him any different. They're going to continue to support who he is and all of that kind of stuff. And I think that's a really cool remark that she made. Uh, okay, so, well, we have a lot of, like, we could go into a lot of T.R. Knight and Isaiah Washington, but I don't want to because I don't like the situation. And it's not really me ignoring it, but it's me saying it's really unnecessary. So moving on from there, I think something that is kind of important and fun to note is his uh, true real-life relationship with Katherine Heigl. And I think that uh, you can really see their chemistry on television and how great they are. They work together and um, how well, like, they seem to click, kind of, I guess you could say. And uh, I think it's really cool that uh, that's something that they take from their personal life and they can use into their um, into their TV life. And I think that's pretty great. And I appreciate their friendship and I appreciate her loyalty to TR, too, as well, which is um, definitely nice. So that's really all the information we have right now on TR Night because like, he hasn't been real busy in showbiz, I guess you could say. Uh, he's been really busy in the theater world and stuff, but um, this is pretty much it, I guess. So um, if you have anything else that like you thought was interesting that I missed about TR Night, you want to go ahead and send that in, and the information, of course, is at the end of the show. Okay, so we have a little more information on Katherine Heigl, so I have a little more to say about her, but she's pretty... Um, I'm pretty excited because I really like her. And her full name is Katherine Marie Heigl. She was born on November 24, 1978. And uh, she's a, you know, she's Dr. Isabel Stevens, which you should all know. She was born in Washington, D.C., and her parents brought her up as a part of the Church of the Latter-day Saint, uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, so she's Mormon. And she had a really strict upbringing. She's also the young youngest of five children. Her siblings are Meg, Jason, Holt, and John. And she lived in Virginia and Denver, but then her family eventually went to Connecticut, and um, they moved into a very nice town of New Canaan, and um, this is where she spent the majority of her childhood. And if you watched any of the interviews of Catherine when she was much younger, um, you'd hear her talking about kind of the small town world and, you know, what's all going on with that. But uh, actually, the year I was born, in 1986, her uh, 15-year-old brother, Jason, died. Um, I believe he had brain injuries um, when he was in a car accident, and so uh, he was brain dead, yes, after a long time, and uh, upon this incident in her life, Catherine has taken an an extreme interest in organ donation and such things as they donated her brother's organs, so uh, she's very, she really, that's like her big advocacy thing I guess like that and dogs but whatever um Catherine actually started uh started in the business of Hollywood when she was quite young I believe when she was nine her aunt was visiting the family and wanted to take photographs of uh Catherine because she was um she was making I think she made the top detail I don't really know she made something for their hair and so she was taking pictures um for like packaging and so and she eventually convinced um Catherine's parent parents that she should maybe you know go into something more a little more professionally and so within a little while of that Catherine was actually she became a child model and when she 
she did uh, she did like those catalogs um, for clothes and stuff. But eventually, when she was twelve, she started her actual acting debut, and she appeared in her first movie, I believe, was that night. And uh, I think something that she might be more well known for is um, her first leading role in 1994, which was in the movie, uh, I believe it was a comedy, My Father the Hero. And it's a little bit disturbing if you just hear the uh, plot line, so if you're going to watch it, it's a little like, it's a little bizarre, but it's a pretty good movie, and I would definitely say you should definitely try to see it. She was still attending New Canaan High School, and she used to talk about how, um, she talked, I can't remember what she was on, she was on a late night show, and she was talking about how her friends like to go... And they like to teepee, and they like to do forking and stuff, and they just think it's really funny, and, like, that's what you do in the small-town life. Catherine's career, it, Katie's career is quite lengthy, so I think something that I could mention that is of interest is when she appeared opposite of Steven Seagal in Under Siege 2, and uh, she, I believe she got to take him down, which is really cool. So I, she appeared in so many different movies that um, I'm not going to mention it. I'm going to tell you to go look it up yourself because there's a lot of good ones. And she is very talented, and I think that you should definitely check her out. Something that she might be really, really well known for is when she starred in the horror film Bride of Chucky, which I highly dislike, but so many people liked it. And so, I mean, she she's had a pretty accomplished career even before she began on television, which happened in 1999 when she expected, expected, when she accepted the role of Isabel Evans on the science fiction TV drama Roswell, which is a really good program, which is out on DVD, which you should go check out if you haven't. It, it's a little bit sci-fi, like, well, because it's science fiction, but it's pretty good, and I think it's well worth checking it out, at least for an episode. <laughs> anyway, she, so she was quite featured, and um, she has, like, lots of pictures she was very young yeah she was 21 when she did Roswell and I mean she that show went on for a very long time and she did a really great job so she was in a ton of different movies like I don't even really think I could name them all because there's too many but anyway in 2005 um she obviously won the role of Dr. Isabel Stevens on Grey's Anatomy and she's been there ever since and the show was originally introduced as a mid-season replacement but this this show just it just snowballed so large and it's so popular now and so i mean this is definitely what she's doing now but on the side she is still making films including like this summer's huge blockbuster which was one of my all-time favorite movies it was the movie i had to see when it came out on the weekend the weekend it came out which is pretty pretty rare in my situations but i went and saw knocked up and it's a real like it's from the writer director judge judd apatow and um, she stars opposite of Seth Rogen, and it's really funny. And I think if you haven't seen it, I think you really should see it. Of course, if you're a little young and you're not into um, babies being born, you might want to uh, keep your eyes <laughs> eyes peeled for a little part or hidden, maybe. <laughs> not looking out for it, but she should be looking away for it. Anyway, in 2006, in June, she became engaged to Josh Kelly, who's a singer, and they met on they had like this kind of really Hollywood meeting where they met on the set of his music video and she was going to be in it. And so she was like the love interest in it. So I think that's, they're pretty, they're pretty great. So that's about what I found on Katherine Heigl, but I do have a couple of interesting facts about her. Um, when I talked about the movie the, um, called My Father the Hero, she beat out Alicia Stil Silverstone for that role, the role of Nicole. And I think I thought that was kind of cool, and she, 
I think this is definitely really interesting. Um, she's played characters named Isabel three times. Um, not all spelled the same way, but whatever. She played um, Isabel and Isabel Evans in Roswell. She played Isabel in Wuthering Heights, and she played Iz- Izzy Stevens in Grey's Anatomy. So that's the interesting facts, I guess. And um, here's one that I think is also pretty cool: is like she auditioned for Lost before landing the lead role on Grey's Anatomy. Except for it's not a lead role; it says lead role on here, but it's not. And um, since she and she got the lead, she didn't get the one on Lost. But you know, either way, she would have been a star. And so I don't have. I guess I don't have as much as I thought for Katherine Heigl, or maybe I just read through it really quickly. But anyway, that's um, all the information I have on Catherine, and I, again, would urge you to go run out and see the movie Knocked Up. I thought it was hilarious, and it was perfect. Okay, so that's pretty much all I have on the George and Izzy deal for this episode. This episode's a little shorter, and expect the ones after to be a little bit more like this one and much more condensed, because I realized that the first one was much longer than I wanted it to be, and it took a lot of time. And so, since it's the summer and it's hiatus, I was kind of hoping for not so much of this, kind of like running around doing all this stuff. So, um, the next two I believe we're going to do are, I guess we're going to go, I'm going to say Dr. Burke and um, Derek, Dr. Shepard. So, if you have any uh, comments or anything you want to say about Dr. Burke and Dr. Shepard, go ahead and send it in. And it doesn't have to be like on their relationship or anything, it can be one or the other. And I would definitely like to hear that. And um, I guess it would be really helpful if I give you the information for this. So, of course, you can email me at jlgpodcasting at gmail.com. And you can also um, go to the blog at jlg-graysanatomy.blogspot.com. And there you can leave a comment. Or you can go in the upper right-hand corner where it says, um, leave me an audio. Or it says, like, send me a message. But basically, it's the audio button. And, um... And leave me an audio, and that's a voice comment. Or if you have your own recording capabilities, go on ahead and record it, and then send it to jlgpodcasting at gmail.com. Yeah, so an MP3 file would really be the best, but um, you can send it in anything. I can pretty much, I have the capabilities of getting it anyway. So then um, you're going to the blog, you're going to send me an email, you're going to send me a voice message. Um, I guess that's pretty much the ways that you're going to be able to contact me. So send me, if you have like an email you want to send, or a voice message about, again, Dr. Burke and Dr. Shepard. And uh, I'm definitely like send in your voice messages. Those are my favorite. I love to listen to them. And I love to include them when I can. As well as the emails, which is something I need to mention next. So this next person that I'm going to mention, his name is Robert, and he is from Australia. And um, he just sent me a really nice email that I thought I'd share with you, and it said he loved the show and the podcast, and he looks forward to my take on the show and the new background info, which is really fun, and he's hanging in there for season four. So, um, I just thought I'd say, hey, Robert, and, or Rob, as he signs it, and, um, I'm glad that you're liking the show and listening, so I just encourage you all to send in your emails, especially on Dr. Burke and Dr., um, Dr. Shepard, but if you want to send in like any suggestions or any comments or anything that you'd like me to cover on this podcast, I'm definitely willing to. I'm definitely willing to listen and take uh, take all that into consideration. So I also have a little bit of news for you, um, which is old news because apparently I'm really good at getting the news late, which I actually already knew about this. I just didn't think that maybe I could tell you guys. 
So anyway, this Grey's Anatomy thing is getting big, and they've got some really expensive magazines <laughs> throughout the year that are coming out. I believe it's a six-issue subscription, and it includes four issues, one yearbook, and one special. They're from, it's from Titan Magazines, and uh, what I would do is I would go into Google and type in Grey's Anatomy magazine because um, I don't have the exact, uh, the exact what do you call it? I don't know what you call it. Well, I don't have it. Uh, the website. However, they have two issues that have already come out, and you should definitely, uh, if you can't, it says if you can't find it, try your local comic shop. But if you wanna, if you're okay with ordering things online, I would suggest you do that because I think they're, you know, they're pretty good prices and everything. And uh, these magazine people have, you know, quite a few. Like I know a lot of people are into Smallville and Lost, and they have magazines as well. So you might want to check out this website. But also, um, this magazine is completely devoted to Grey's Anatomy, so it's all Grey's Anatomy fun, and you can backorder issues, and so, maybe it's not backorder issues, maybe it's get back issues, but whatever. So you can go ahead and do that, and I think, um, you might enjoy it. I haven't gotten my issues yet, because I don't have any money yet, but definitely, I'm definitely going to, so I think that, uh, if anyone has read the magazine and, like, really likes it or doesn't like it, and you want to email all of us... Or you could email me, and then I could really relay the message over the podcast, and you could tell us if it's worth, you know, worth investing in. And I hope it is because I'm excited about it. I have been since it came out, but I'm also really poor. And um, anyway, so uh, you can subscribe. It's like a forty dollar subscription, but each magazine is ten fifty, so you're actually saving like twenty some dollars. Uh, so I would definitely, you, if you're gonna get all six, I would definitely get a subscription. Well, so that's everything I guess I have for you for this episode, but definitely remember to send in your feedback and all that good stuff. So everybody go out and enjoy the outdoors, and I will be back in another week or two.